Hello, and welcome to the Feeling Good Podcast, where you can learn powerful techniques to change the way you feel. I am your host, Rhonda Borowski, and joining me here in the Murrieta studio is Dr. David Burns. Dr. David Burns is a pioneer in the development of cognitive behavioral therapy and the creator of the new teen therapy. He is the author of Feeling Good, which has sold over 5 million copies in the United States and has been translated into over 30 languages. David is currently an emeritus adjunct professor of clinical psychiatry at Stanford University School of Medicine. Hi, David. Hi, Rhonda. Welcome to episode 135 of the Feeling Good podcast. This is part two of our two-part series on social anxiety. We're, we're focusing on a young man named uh, Jason. We're calling him Jason to protect his identity, who had uh, very severe social anxiety, and he was standing in a supermarket line waiting to check groceries, and he thought that the uh, the woman checking, uh, you know, checking the groceries was giving him the eye, and he was telling himself, oh gosh, if I could only just flirt a, a little bit with her, it would be so cool, and I could overcome my, my social anxiety. But he, he gave himself all of these uh, negative messages, standing in line, I'll make a fool of myself, the people in line are going to look down on, on me, I have no personality, she's going to shoot me down, that's going to prove what, what a loser I am. And, and he was really in a panic, he had all kinds of negative emotions that we went over last time, up around the 90%, most of them, 95%. And what happened is, is he, he worked himself into such an agitated state that when he got up to check his groceries, he stared at the counter. He didn't, he was afraid even to catch her eye. And she said, that'll be $9.96 or something like that. And so he, he reached in and gave her a $10 bill without looking at her. He didn't say anything. And then she gave him his change. So she, he took the change. And then they bagged the groceries, and he took the groceries and walked out of the store telling himself, I wimped out again. I'm such a loser. I did it again. Oh, he must have felt terrible yeah, about himself. Felt, yeah, shamed and humiliated and relieved a little bit that he didn't, didn't get shot down, but pretty, pretty, mad, pretty mad at himself. And so the first thought he wanted to help with is... Um, People will think I'm a self-centered jerk if I if I try to flirt with her. And we found all ten cognitive distortions in that thought. And what I do, and I'll try to illustrate this with, with the show notes, is we, we put that thought in the middle of what's called a recovery circle. And you'll see in the show notes, in fact, if you listen to the podcasts and you want the show notes, you can sign up on my website, feelinggood.com. There's a sign-up widget in the upper right-hand corner of every page, and you just sign up once with your email, and then you'll get notifications of all of the podcasts or other blogs or other events, and you'll be able to see the show notes right on the web, web website. And I put a lot of energy into the show notes, and they will enhance your, your experience. Now, you might be able to see the show notes on iTunes or maybe on our YouTube channel, they get posted there, or wherever your Facebook, they, they get posted to my public Facebook page. So you might be able to find the show notes already, but if you're not getting the show notes, I would say go to my website and, and sign up there because it'll be a much nicer experience for you. So 
you'll see the recovery circle, and it's there's all these arrows pointing out, and the arrows have boxes at the end, and in each box you put one of the, well, we used to say 50 ways to untwist your thinking. I In my new book, I'm going to have a, a, over 100 techniques, but there's all these techniques that can help you, and then you 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 put you know techniques in in each of these boxes, and and Rhonda and I will tell you the ones we we chose for for Jason in a minute. But what is the recovery circle, Rhonda, and how does that work? Well, it's really a helpful tool for therapists to use to help their to help figure out which methods they're going to use with their clients. So when you you put one negative thought in this recovery circle and then in your mind or in or even in dialogue with the patient you create you you come up with the techniques that you're going to try with each with them. And then um you we you talked about failing as fast as you can. Can when you use all of these techniques, can you explain what you mean by well, that? Well, yeah, the uh you can explain it too, but in a sen- essentially failing as fast as you can See, most therapists are trying to be successful. So, you know, you use EMDR or ACT or CBT or psychodynamic or, or, or whatever. You're trying to make your favorite method work. Now, in team, we're agnostic in, in terms of schools of therapy. We don't adhere to any school of therapy, but we can use tools from any school of therapy. So on my list of ways to untwist your thinking, I've got cognitive techniques, behavioral techniques, exposure techniques, motivational techniques, psychodynamic techniques, interpersonal techniques. Uncovering techniques. Uncovering techniques, humor-based techniques. And so there's a wide range of tools to choose from. And each person is different. So the recovery circle individualizes the treatment for, for Jason. But the methods that work for Jason might not work for Abdul or for Margaret or for right. or for you. Yep. And so that's one of the things I really love about team therapy is how, how the treatment is individualized. And again, it's against this idea of using formulas to treat people. Like everyone wants a formula. We talk, talked about that two podcasts back, like, oh, meditation is what you need if you're shy, or ACT therapy is what you need, or EMDR therapy, or psychodynamic th- therapy. And and what we're we're saying here is 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 don't go throwing some methodology at patients just because you're in love with your school of therapy. Instead, we're drawing methods from many schools of therapy because you never know what what's gonna gonna help someone. And can I say one more thing? Yeah. What I love about the recovery circle is sometimes I'll pick out a thought and I'll I'll fill it out by myself and I'll think these are the things I think will help this person but sometimes I give the list of the of the techniques to the patient and say well why don't you go home and take a look at these and read them and you consider what you think would help I love that yeah and then you can fill in your own your own recovery circle choosing methods from the list but the first four are always the same empathy agenda setting identify the distortions and the straightforward technique uh, and then, uh, so they're, they're always number one, two, three, and four on a recovery circle. And then after that, you can use any, any technique in any, uh, in any order at all. And, and some of the ones we selected here are examine the evidence, uh, feared fantasy, cost benefit analysis, semantic method. We'll bring these to life for you in a minute, but thinking in shades of gray, double standard technique, downward arrow technique, experimental technique, Let's define terms, reattribution, five secrets of effective communication, survey technique, acceptance paradox, uh, flirting training, uh, talk show host, 
smile and hello practice, shame attacking exercises, rejection practice, self-disclosure. There, there, are, there are tons, ton, tons of methods. Now, once again, why do we have so many methods? Rhonda, why don't we just use the best method for social anxiety? Because who knows what the best method is? Something yeah. might work with you or with me or with Jason or with someone else that wouldn't work with, with a different person. And so we want to try one, see if it works. If it doesn't work, move on to the next one. Right. Now, absolutely. Now, one of the first ones uh, is the straightforward technique. And you just say to the patient, can you think of a way to talk back to that thought? And in the old days, this technique usually almost never worked. That was before we had paradoxical agenda setting and positive reframing. And now it usually does work. But this was before I had the paradoxical agenda setting. It was before the days before I had figured out how to melt away people's resistance. We did it. We did that last podcast. Yeah, but I didn't actually do it with Jason. So uh, I I was working running a little on uphill in my work with, with him. But when I said, you know, what can you think of a way to talk back to that thought? People will think I'm a self-centered jerk if I try to flirt with her. He said, here's what he came up with. He said, well, I, I could tell myself if people look down on me for flirting with her, it's probably because they're jealous and have unfulfilled desires to be more flirtatious and outgoing themselves. Oh, now, do you think that's going to be effective? Because remember, the positive thought has to have two things. It has to be 100% true, and it has to crush the negative thought. No, I don't think that will <laughs> crush. I don't think that will crush the negative thought, and I, I don't think it's 100% true. Exactly. Because if people look down on him for flirting with her, it's not because they're jealous of him. Uh, and uh, And it shows you... And it's not because they have unfulfilled desires to be more flirtatious, but it it shows us why he's been stuck in his shyness. That he it seems like he views the world as an antagonistic place, and that he's in competition with people. And so he imagines that if he screw, screws up, if if people you know judge him, it's because they're in this big competition with, with, with him. And you talked about his humility last time, but there's also some narcissism going going on here that he. So it gives us some. It shows us why he he he's stuck, but it it does, it's not going to help him get over his his shyness. So. What do we do then uh, when when we fail with one of these techniques? We just move on to the next technique. So we're going to fail fail as as fast as yep. we can. We, we failed can. at that one. Right. Now, the next technique we tried was called a cost-benefit analysis, and you'll find it on page 11 uh, if you follow along here. And um, uh, he, 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 he did some pretty cool work on this one, actually. Um, People will think I'm a self-centered jerk if I try to flirt with her. Now, you can do this with your own negative thoughts as well as with your negative feelings. You, you draw the line down in the middle of a piece of paper in the left-hand column. You put, what are some advantages of this thought? How's it going to help you? And in the right-hand column, what are some disadvantages? And uh, can you tell us what was, he, 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 he filled this out really fast. And he came up with a lot of advantages. Yeah, what are some benefits of telling yourself, people will think I'm a self-centered jerk if I try to flirt with her? Well, he said, I won't have to risk embarrassment or get shot down. I love that. True. I won't upset people. That's true. 
I'll feel more morally superior because I'll sacrifice my own needs to make other people happy. Isn't that cool that he came up with that? Yeah. I can blame people for my own impoverished social life. Isn't that cool that he came right. up with that? So he's not taking responsibility and he's happy about it. Uh, well, I think... Is that what you mean? Well, no, the opposite. He's pointing out that he wants to blame other people. And I think it takes tremendous introspection to, to see that in yourself. I was really proud of him for, ah, I see that. Yes. for coming up with that. Mm -hmm. And the last one he has here is, I can feel sorry for myself. And I loved him for coming up with that because that's true. That's the story of his life, getting, you know, avoiding his fears and, feel, and feeling sorry for himself. And so my respect for him went up when he saw all, all of these advantages in, in that negative thought. Now, the disadvantages were, were pretty powerful too. Right. So the first disadvantage is I won't do what I want. And that's a pretty big disadvantage. Mm -hmm. I won't grow because I'll be so afraid of rejection. That's huge. If I do try to talk with her, I'll get really uptight because I'll think everyone is mad at me. That's huge. I'll be angry and blame other people for my inhibitions, which goes along with, yeah, you know, it's both I an can advantage blame others. Yeah. and a disadvantage. I'll end up alone. And I was just so proud of him. I thought that was a tremendous list and shows he, he has a lot of awareness and he's very very open to examining himself. And then I asked him to, to balance these out. And you can do this when you do your own cost-benefit analysis. Put two numbers that add up to 100 in the circles at the bottom. And uh, he put a 35. Because you're weighing the importance of each of the, each yeah. Of the columns. Yeah. And, and, and he gave 35 points to the advantages and 65 to the disadvantages. And, and he said, these advantages are very real. You know, I won't get shot down and I can blame other people and, and things like that. But he says the disadvantages strongly outweigh. And I, think it's, I think it's important to remember when we do cost-benefit analysis, it doesn't matter how many you list on each side because there could be one really strong advantage or disadvantages that outweighs the others. Yeah, absolutely. So he's kind of giving me permission with this cost-benefit analysis to, to use more methods and, and help him help him challenge challenge this thought. Now another technique, and you can do these techniques in any order you want. It's called the individual downward arrow to try to get his beliefs under the surface, the self-defeating beliefs at a deeper deeper level. So this is one of your uncovering beliefs. So you're uncovering his self-defeating belief, is that correct? Yeah, an uncovering technique. That that That's right. And I'll be Jason, and you can be my shrink. Now, when you do the individual downward arrow, you say to the patient over and over, if that were true, what would it mean to you? Why would it be upsetting to you? And you also say, when after they tell you it, Write that down. Exactly. So I'll be J Jason, and I have this thought, and you'll be the shrink, and we'll do a downward arrow tech technique. Uh, so I'm saying people will think I'm a self-centered jerk if I, if I try to talk with her. Well, Jason, if that were true, what would it mean to you? Why would that be upsetting to you? Well, that would mean I was a terrible person. Could you write that down? Okay, great. That's, that's the way. And then you were going to so say... So, Jason, um, if that were true, that... It would mean you're a terrible person. What would it mean to? What would that mean to you? And why would that be upsetting to you? Well, that would mean I might be punished and go to hell. Oh, great! Can you write that down? 
Okay, so I'm, I, I write that down. <laughs> you want me to be the shink? That's what I would say. Yeah. <laughs> so, you see why this is a pretty big deal for him. If she, if she yeah. shoots him down, he's going to be punished and go to hell. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to minimize that thought by it's telling you to write it down. Magnification. <laughs> yeah. Magnification and minimization. Yeah. We don't want to make fun of him, but this is what you do when you're anxious. You, you're, yeah, these things you're worried about going to hell. So, Jason, if that were true, that you might be punished and go to hell, what would that, if that were true, what would it mean to you, and why would that be upsetting to you? Well, that would mean I'd be miserable for all eternity. Mm. Yeah. Good. Good. Jason, can you write that down? <laughs> write that down. Yeah. And then when you review these... Uh, but, David, before you go, why, when do you stop doing the downward arrow? How do you know when you get to well, the bottom? Well, generally then I'd be miserable forever. <laughs> you know, then life would not be worth living. Right. Uh, and he came to that point really quickly. And then you review these, and I use a list of 23 self common, self-defeating beliefs. But he starts with, people will think I'm a self-centered jerk if I try to flirt with her. That would mean I'm a terrible person. Then I'll go to hell, and then I'll be miserable for all eternity. What do you think his uh, self-defeating uh, b- b- beliefs are? Well, the first one I thought was the brush fire fallacy, that if one person thinks of that, then everyone will think of it. I love it. That That's good. So let's write down brush fire fallacy. Uh, and that's really common among social anxiety. That's one of the beliefs un, under the surface, the idea that all human beings are clones. So if you look down on me, You'll tell Heather, and she'll look down on me, and then she'll tell Brendan, and he'll look down on me, and everyone will tell five people, and it will spread, spread, spread like like brush fire, and that that makes intense social anxiety because you you fear disapproval. And why do we call that a fallacy? Isn't that true? Well, I don't know how to say this without sounding kind of mean, but I don't think anyone's that important that everybody is talking about them. Yeah. So it's not that true. Yes, and in addition, everyone has different uh, taste. You you might say, and and so he thinks if he's a bad boy, everyone will reject him. Now, the baddest boys are on death row, right? <laughs> yeah. Are are they rejected? <laughs> yeah. Are they? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, there is some research that they are not rejected. And what that, happens? That there are certain. I'm gonna. I hate to say it, but there are certain women that write to them and yeah. and want to be in a relationship yeah, with them. Yeah, and they, they usually marry them. There has been times when they're. Actually, I, I yeah. I've seen that on yeah. TV on TV a lot, and, and just one one person disapproves you uh, doesn't mean someone else is going to disapprove disapprove right. of you. But if you believe that brush fire fallacy, then it's terrified. Uh, terrified to to get disapproval. What's another self-defeating belief? Another one I'm thinking of is kind of the opposite of that of spot fire. Is what? Not not spot fire. Spotlight? Spotlight. (laughs) Sure, that's a good one, yeah. Where you think all of the attention is focused on you. Yeah, and you think you have to impress people to get them to like you. You're like a performer. This is so common to social anxiety. And we saw that in in that uh, second person who, who wrote to us, I have to say something impressive. Do you, do you remember that last, yes. last time? And yes. that's how I have to get people to like me and, you know, all of that. Uh, so that, that spotlight fa- fallacy. And now why is that a fallacy? Isn't it true that we have to dance and perform to get people to like us, say something terribly important? 
Well, it is kind of nice and attractive if you're interesting. And so you do want to be interesting, but the spotlight is on you as an individual, a unique, wonderful person just in your own way. <laughs> that sounds too uh, I goofy. Put it like that. <laughs> it sounds like you're uh, <laughs> buying right meditating. into this, this fallacy. <laughs> the reason it's a fallacy is because it's the Buddha so often said people don't give a shit about you. <laughs> That's what I said earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, I can't uh, forgive the language, but uh, the, the, do, do you see who do people care about? Themselves. They, themselves. <laughs> and so the way you get people to like you in a social situation is not to impress them with something about yourself but to impress them with something cool about them, to get them talk, talking about them themselves. Uh, and, and that's why we call this the, 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 the spotlight fallacy, because that, that, that is no way to go around, you know, attracting people to try to impress them, you know, with how... And that's what we learn on the hikes. That's why we love the hikes. When we go on the Sunday hikes, like people today, one fellow talking, he's just gotten, looks like terminal cancer of a horrible kind, and he's frightened and angry, and, and, and he, he just opened up and showed his tears and sh- shared his, his feelings, and we all just felt so close to him that, that not, try, nobody on the Sunday hikes, we don't try to impress each other. People talk their, their struggles, uh, their, 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 their self-doubts, and that's what brings us close as, as human beings, uh, not, not going around impressing. Right, trying to be people. smarter than the next person. Yeah, yeah. Or know more. Yeah. Uh, what are some more uh, d- d- distortions? Well, how about perfectionism? Yeah, uh-huh. he seems to be uh, re- really per- perfectionistic. I, I can't screw up. Uh, what what are some others? Um, approval addiction. Huge. He, he's saying he needs everyone's approval uh, to to be worthwhile. And again, what we're doing here, we're going to the deeper level in his brain, the the beliefs that, that are giving rise to the social anxiety in the first place. And then uh, I pinpointed one more uh, that he resonated with: perceived perfectionism. What what is mm. perceived perfectionism? You know, I'll be honest. I don't. I don't quite understand that one. Could you explain it? Oh, sure. Uh, it's a term I coined that has to do with uh, your belief. Not only, uh, not only do I think I have to be perfect, but I believe you want me to be perfect in order to like me. That if you see me having a flaw or a screw up, you, you'll cast me out and, and reject me. Wow. That that's called perceived perfectionism, and that's all also huge in social anxiety and all forms of, of performance. I mean, I can imagine it's, it would be hard to be in a relationship if you have any of these self-defeating beliefs. Yeah, absolutely. And then, so in our work with Jason today, we'll want to not only show him how to crush his negative thoughts, but show him how to crush these self-defeating beliefs as well. Because when you change the beliefs under the surface, uh, we cognitive therapists at least believe that that helps with relapse prevention training. That, that as long as you have these beliefs, the, the social anxiety will keep keep cropping up. But when you change your value system under the surface, uh, you'll you'll do better in the long haul. Right, it'll last longer. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Now, how about another technique, examine the evidence? I actually love this technique. Yeah. <laughs> so with examining the evidence, you want 
Jason to get a piece of paper and imagine that he's actually walking into a courtroom and he has to present all the facts to the judge about why people will think he's a self-centered jerk if he tries to flirt with this woman at the grocery store. And they have to be factual, um, just the way that you would, and without too much emotion, just the way you would present them to a judge. Yeah, yeah. And um, one way uh, I asked him to examine the evidence was, um, do you look down on people who are socially outgoing? Have you seen people flirting with each other and talking in public places? And he says, oh, I see that all the time. And I said, well, do you judge them? Do you, do you look down on them? And he says, no, I actually admire them. Uh-huh. So I said, so what is the, the evidence? How did you come to this conclusion that people would look down on you if you tried to flirt with someone you, you were attracted to? And, and he, uh, he, 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 couldn't, he couldn't come up with anything. And he says, you know, maybe it's, it's not that, that realistic. And I, I said, maybe could, could you ask your friends how, how they feel? And I says, can you imagine? Um, uh, so then you went to the survey technique. Yeah, I went to survey. Say, why don't you ask your friends, you know, two things. Have they ever felt shy and anxious when, when they were first trying to flirt with, with people of the same gender, the opposite gender, what, whatever, when you're getting in, into the date, dating world? And also, would, would they look down on him if, if, if he was trying to flirt with, with someone? And he was, he was surprised. This was survey t- technique that they, they all said that they had struggled with the same issues. And then he said, well, would you look down on me if I was flirting, you know, with someone in a grocery store line or something like that? And he was shocked he, that they said they, they, they thought that they would respect him more if he would, even if he got shot down, that they said he thought he was too uptight and too serious, that if he'd loosen up a little bit and be more human. Ah, interesting. Uh, so that, that, so uh, this was, the survey technique wasn't something that you could do in your office. This is something you gave him as homework. Yeah, right, right. Now, how would he use uh, thinking in shades of gray? You so uh, beautifully pointed out that uh, he was an all-or-nothing thinking. So he thinks I'm going to get shot down the way he's thinking about it and be a total loser, or I'm going to be a fantastic success, and she's going to ask to have babies with me and this type of thing. And <laughs> can we go and have, have sex after my <laughs> off my shift t- right. tonight? That those are the two <laughs> things that he's thinking he's going to be one or the other. Right, uh, and, and those put him under a lot of pressure because he, he, she's certainly not going to want to have have sex with him. Uh, right, because she may not even want to guy in right. the grocery store line. Uh, mm-hmm. So, how, what what how would uh, thinking in shades of gray work? Well, we would ask him if there was a more modest goal or if there was, um, a, you know, a modest goal with her or another time um, with a different person or, you know, wh- where where could it be? Where the, could the middle ground be? Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, instead of thinking you're going to sweep her off her feet or make a total ass of yourself and this word's going to spread throughout all of Palo Alto, uh, or the world. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's thinking. <laughs> what what could be an intermediate goal? And then he 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 said, "Well, maybe I could just decide if I would just smile and say hello to her. That would be a hundred percent success, whether or not she responds positively." Right. And that that was a huge relief to him. He says, "Maybe I don't have to say anything incredibly clever." Or maybe a modest goal might be to say something to someone else. 
Yeah, maybe even not not even not her, not even but her, but her. some other woman that yeah, or that maybe he met. some elderly woman at a, at a waiting for the bus and just stand and you know just strike strike up a couple like I did on the hike today. Did you see me? Yes, do I that? did see that. So you want to say <laughs> tell them what we did? Well, yeah, a man, I, I, I put I gave myself a shame attacking exercise. Oh, that's what you're doing. Yeah. A man walked past the, our group of hikers as we were waiting for the slower hikers to join us, and. Um, I'm not sure if he came over or you called him over. Oh, I called him over. Oh, he had on his over. earphones. He was listening to music. I came. Yes. And you, you asked him to introduce himself to us. And yeah, we had, what, 10 or 12 hikers? Right. And then you asked him a pretty I, funny question. Well, I said to him, you, you may be wondering why we asked to meet you here today. <laughs> right. You know, he's in front of an audience of 12 people. Yeah. And then I turned to the group and I asked him what his name was. Was Jake or something like Jack or something? Yeah. And I said, Jack has something very important announcement to, to share with you. <laughs> and it was just kind of ridiculous. It was pretty funny. Yeah. And I think he kind of liked it. And yeah. We, we kind of liked it. But it was just like being being human. Uh, rather than you know trying to impress somebody or or something yeah. like that, and yeah, so the modest goal that Jason could come up with is just be human with another human being. Yeah, but just be real with another human being. Yeah, yeah I love that. Yeah, now the double standard technique is another beautiful uh, compassion based technique, and the idea here is, you know, Jason, you're you're telling yourself that if you try to flirt with her. And she doesn't respond positively if she shoots you down or she's just not interested that that uh, that that people are going to think you're a self-centered jerk and i said would would you talk like that to a dear friend who who was shy? Would you say, "Oh gosh, if you try to flirt with a girl and she shoots you down or it doesn't work, everyone's going to think you're a self-centered jerk he said no i I'd never talk that way to uh to a dear to a dear friend i said what what would you say? And he said, I'd, I'd probably tell him that he's got a lot of courage to to face his fears and, and that everyone gets shot down sometimes and, and that I feel closer to him and I admire him more for, for, for breaking out of his shell and facing the anxiety and, 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 and giving it a giving it a shot. And I tell him to keep 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 doing keep doing more of the same. How how much kinder he's talking to his friend, his imaginary friend, than he is talking to himself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I said, would you be willing to talk to yourself in that same gentle, loving, realistic, su- supportive way? And he really he really liked that technique. And and by the way, I would say, Jason was a little unusual. <laughs> Excuse me for sneezing. Um, in in that uh, all of these techniques seemed helpful to to him in in, in different ways. He was very response, r- responsive. It wasn't like getting failing over and over the way it is until you come to the aha. Uh-huh. He was one where it, they were all kind of chipping away, you know, making strides. Now, how would we use reattribution? Uh, see, he's in self self blame. It's all my fault if she doesn't respond positively to me and the correct interpretation is that it's because I'm a self-centered jerk. Well, when we attribution we look at all the variables that could be in play in this situation. Right. So why the, why might a young woman checking groceries not respond positively 
to a young man who is flirting with her. Well, she could be really, really busy checking groceries and yeah. not be able to pay attention. Right. She could. There could be a store policy that she cannot right. date people she works with. Right. She could be in a relationship with a significant other already. Right. Maybe she's not heterosexual and she's not interested in men, period. Yeah. Those are just four off the top of my head. Can maybe you? she's shy. She could be... Oh, that's a good one. See? She could be shy as well. And maybe she's in a bad mood uh, or sick. Yeah. Uh, maybe she's tired of guys hitting on her all day long. Uh, there, there, There's a lot of reasons. And there's one that nobody ever comes up with. What? That would be the correct one. What would that be? He's probably not very good at it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Yeah. He isn't good at it. He says he's not good at it. And we know he's not good at it because he doesn't do it. Yeah. So, so, uh, and that was very interesting to him. There's all these reasons. Now, if she shoots him down because he's not very good at it, does that mean he's a self-centered jerk? No. What does it mean? He needs to practice some more. Yeah, it means he's a beginner. Yep. And so he loved that as well. He just, he never, never thought of that. Uh, now, uh, he, uh, he, based on this stuff that, that we're talking about, he was able to come up with effective positive thoughts, and you can see here, uh, and I'll, I'll try to post some of this on the website, but the people will think I'm a self-centered jerk if I try to flirt with her. He wrote these positive thoughts, and remember, they have to be 100% true, uh, and then they have to lower the belief in, in the negative thought. And so, and do they have to lower the belief in the negative thought to zero? No, no. Sometimes you want to lower it to zero. Sometimes just lowering it to some low number is, is, is good enough. Okay. So uh, re, re, do you want to read his positive sure. thoughts? So his positive thoughts are, I don't know for a fact that this is true, that people will think I'm a self-centered jerk if I try to flirt with her. I don't look down on other people who are friendly and outgoing. In fact, I admire them. And he believed that 100%. So that, that was a good positive thought. What's the next one? Most people probably don't care that much about what I do. And that was 100%. People don't all react in the same way. That was 100%. Flirting or talking with strangers isn't terribly unusual. And that was 100%. And then I asked him, now how much do you believe this, this negative thought? People will think I'm a self-centered jerk if I try to flirt with her. And he said, I don't believe that much anymore. That, that went down to 30 30. And then I said, is, we can get it lower? Is, is, that, is that low enough? He says, that, I'm, I'm fine with that. Oh. Yeah, there's, I, I could screw up. Somebody could look down on me. But uh, now I'm kind of saying, so what? Oh, good. So that, that, was, that was very effective. And once somebody crushes the first negative thought, they can crush the others. Then we're going to come back to fear fantasy, working on the underlying beliefs. But... Uh, then he was, I said, how would you talk back to, I shouldn't be so loud and obnoxious. If I'm humble and quiet, people will like me more. Why don't you, and he believe, had to believe that one a hundred. What, what did he come with to crush that one? I don't especially like people who are overly quiet and humble. Yeah, it was a hundred. There's no evidence that people in grocery store lines will like me if I'm quiet and humble. <laughs> that was a hundred. Can you imagine that? that? That somebody in the grocery store line would go home and say, I saw this young man and he was wanting to flirt with the checker, but he didn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's so humble and it makes me feel so happy. <laughs> and I funny. admire him so much. 
<laughs> when I'm in the grocery store line, I just want to pay and go. <laughs> and then what was his last positive thought? You can flirt without being loud and obnoxious, but would it be the end of the world if I got shut down or made a fool out of myself? And that, and that was a hundred, and he was really strong. And then that was I said, great. Now, how much do you believe I shouldn't be so loud and obnoxious? If I'm humble and quiet, people will like me more. And he says... 15%. That's says, great. I've never met anyone who said they liked me because I'm humble <laughs> and quiet. No woman ever came up and said, oh, I like you. You're so humble and quiet. <laughs> right. So, and then he was, he blew away. I don't have anything interesting to say. He came up with, I probably don't need to say anything terribly clever or interesting. Right. And I could just start by smiling and saying hello, and that'd be a, a good first step. And, uh, so he, he was just able to blow all of his negative thoughts out, out of the water. We used externalization of voices and some of the more powerful techniques. And they, he just suddenly didn't believe any of them anymore. Now, b- before we go on to say what happened next, because uh, he's going to have some homework to, to do, but uh, we, what we want to do is have him confront his worst fear here in the office. And we can use a technique called the feared fantasy. See, on the one hand, we're, we're saying it's not true that people are going to get all hot and bothered if, if this grocery store checker shoot, shoot, shoots you down. But, and people won't care. But we could also say, suppose we went into a night, Alice in Wonderland nightmare world where your worst fear comes true. And, and in this Safeway store from hell, there, there are two rules. First, if, if you think people are looking down on you, they really are. And they get right up in your face and they say these things to, to you that normal human beings w- w- would never say. So I did this role play with him and we can do it here. And one of us can play the, the role of Jason, and one can be the, the shopper, the shopper from hell. And, and uh, you can take Okay, I'll role. be the shopper from hell. Okay, and I'll, and I'll be Jason. And then we're going to show uh, how to defeat his worst fear. And it's not preparation for real life, because this monster that he fears is really in his own mind. The shopper from hell is really the projection of Jason's self-criticisms. And right. so uh, we'll use both self-defense and the acceptance paradox in defeating the, the shopper from, from hell. Okay. So uh, you be the shopper from hell. And, okay, and I'll be the shopper from hell. Well, Jason, when you flirt with people, I think you're a self-centered jerk. You oh, are, you're a jerk. R- really? I have a lot of other parts to me that are much worse than that. But uh, t- tell me tell me what, what you mean. Did you feel that my flirting technique with her, I think she shot me down and it wasn't very, very good. Could you give me some tips as to a better way to do it? No, because you know what, Jason, you're just a loser. Whenever you interact with women, it just shows how what a loser you are. Well, you know, I'm not very good at interacting with women because that's the, that's the first time I tried because I've been in, in, tremendously shy. And you look like you're very skillful in, in flirting. Uh, t- tell me, how, how do you I am very skillful it? at flirting. Would you demonstrate it for me? <laughs> no, 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 because I want you to know one other thing. You know, you're a terrible person because you're just so superficial. You really focus way too much on looks and, you, you, you know, know, success. I, you know, I have to I have to plead guilty as accused. I love hot women. <laughs> you know, I'm very <laughs> attracted to women who are super good looking. 
And that's so superficial because there's so much more to women than the way they look. There are many aspects of either superficial. No, we want you to pay attention to other things. I'd like to be tremendously successful. Tell me, are are you attracted to to really uh, awesome looking people, or do you not have that kind of sexual attraction? (laughs) We're not talking about me here, Jason. We're talking about you. So who who won? (laughs) You won. Big or small? Really big. Uh, Big or huge? Huge. And how did I win? Who who looked like the jerk here? Because as I'm attacking you with these critical thoughts. I, I feel so small and I feel so yeah. little and, yeah. and, and meaningless and kind of stupid, actually. Right. And this is a humor-based technique, but there's a deeper meaning. There's a spiritual meaning to it. And, and what is what is it? What are we trying to... And then we'll do a role reversal. But what, what is it that we want Jason to see? We want him to accept that flaws are okay. Yeah. That who he is as a person and all of the all of him... Yeah. Is is good. And if it's someone fine. were to judge you, they're going to make a fool of themselves. Right. You know, on the one hand, they're probably not going to judge you, but if they were, it, it, it makes them look, look look like a jerk. Right. The, per, the, the finger's actually being pointed to the, the judger. Yeah. And this is uh, in most religions. Uh, it's in the, the, the Jewish religion. It's, it's in the Buddhist. It's, it's in the Christian. It's probably in the Muslim. But there's all, in most religions, it's for when you judge others, you condemn yourself. Right. And, and that, that may be overly serious or corny uh, statement, but it, it, it is true. And, and, and this is just making that a reality. And then now that you're Jason, I'm going to be the shopper from, from hell. Uh, and okay, are you ready? <laughs> uh, yep. Uh oh. Could I talk to you for a minute, young man? Sure. Uh, were you just trying to hit on that checker? Well, I was trying to flirt with her a little. I don't know. Uh, what, are you sexually attracted to her or something like that? I kind of might be, yeah. <laughs> I think that's just terrible to, to, to you know, flirt with a grocery store ch- checker. That that seems immoral to me. I You must be a terribly self-centered jerk. Well, I think it's kind of cool. She's an attractive young woman. I'm an attractive young man. I think it might be fun to have a friend. <laughs> well, I condemn you. I judge you. <laughs> well, I have a lot of flaws. That's the only thing. You have so many worse things about me than I want to make a friend. It's yeah. kind of like... Well, I'm going to spread the word about you all throughout Palo Alto. I'm going to call up the local newspaper and report what happened here. Well, I think that's great. That would give me more opportunity to meet people. <laughs> great. So who won? I think I'm winning. Big or small? B- big. Big or huge? I feel huge. Huge, yeah. yeah that it feels was, huge. Great. And that's, that's called... That's called the acceptance paradox, and uh, and, uh, and that that works at some of these deeper beliefs. This need for approval and the brush fire fallacy and perceived perfectionism and and, and that type of that type of thing. And then the last thing is uh, well, you mentioned homework. What will he have to do outside of your office? Yeah, yeah. What will Jason have have to do? He he's got his fears down. By the end of the session, they were down from. 90 to most of them were in the, in the range of five. What, 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 what are we going to do to get them from five to zero? And what, what is Jason's homework going to be? Well, he's going to have to do rejection practice mm-hmm. and introduce himself to, we could give him, we could give him an assignment of introducing himself to at least 10 women in the next week. Yeah. And he's going to have to do, well, maybe he'll have to do the, um, what did you call it? The, the interview technique where he interviews people. Talk show host. Talk show host yeah, technique. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, 
smile yeah. and hello practice. Yeah. That's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. And also the big one, shame attacking exercises. And, sh- and self-disclosure. And self-disclosure within all of them. Uh, yeah. So self-disclosure would be to uh, walk up to 10 strangers. And again, the way you do these things is important because you can do them in a way that will make them fail. Or you can do them in a way that's that's successful. But self-disclosure, uh, you know, I told them in the next week, I want you to talk to 10 strangers and say something like this to them. They can be young women, young men, elderly women, elderly men. Just say, I've had this crippling anxiety my whole life ever since I've been little. And I'm really nervous in social situations, particularly talking to young women I might be attracted to. And I've been ashamed of it, and I've been avoiding talking to people, and, and I've, I've decided to stop being ashamed and and just start start telling people, and, and that that that's why I'm I'm telling you. And it has to be done kind of in that way, so they don't think they're supposed to feel sorry for you or, or mm-hmm. something like, like like that. And he agreed to do that. He agreed to start flirting with women. I I, I told him to do rejection practice, see how many rejections he could get. And that if he got a date, he didn't get any points. He could only get points by being rejected. How fun. <laughs> and uh, so he went out and he did these things. He, he, you know, I have to give him a lot of credit, but he was very courageous. And he went out and he got some rejections. And he started getting acceptances and started going out on dates. And he came in for two or three more sessions. But his anxiety completely disappeared. And we did relapse prevention training and and that was it. And uh, and again, the, the, this is the way I worked with Jason. And these are the kinds of techniques that, that we use. But again, it's not formulas. It's just kind of showing you how it's done. I, I would say that because, you know, I've had six or eight different kinds of social anxiety. I used to have like horrible, crippling public speaking anxiety and uh you know, I've, I've had some horrible experiences when I first started, you know, my first academic talk was just horrendous. It was even worse than I imagined. And so I think that's why I feel a special affection for our listeners who struggle with social anxiety, because I've been there and I've seen how to turn all of these forms of social anxiety around. And it's always been my favorite thing to, to treat. And, and again, uh, look at uh, uh, other resources in addition to the podcast. It would be a good thing to read the book, When Panic Attacks. Well, I imagine that this technique would work for both heterosexual people and gay men and lesbians. Has that been your experience? Yes, I love working with gay people in particular. I think I'm biased in favor of gay people, to be honest with you, because I think they have a hard time in our society and are cruelly and unfairly hurt by, by society and, and probably my fantasy, but I've sometimes thought that gay people might even have a little more compassion than the average person because they've had to, to suffer. But I've worked with a lot of gay individuals, and it, it, I'm sure there's important differences, and we're going to have Kyle Jones is going to talk about uh, you know therapists and attitudes they have about the treatment of gay people. We're going to do that in an upcoming podcast. That's his PhD dissertation. But I've loved working with gay people, and I've, I've it probably sounds stupid to say this, but it seems to me the dynamics are very similar in the gay and heterosexual community about dating and shyness and the, the issues. They all they seem to be exactly the same the same kinds of issues. That's my experience, too. Well, thank you. This was really fun. And finally, David's 
commercial message. <laughs> which That's yeah, really and, important. You and, have a lot to teach. And we're doing it at the end of the show, too. So, uh, But they, there's three upcoming workshops uh, that I'm doing that might interest you. On May 19th, 2019, I'm doing Team CBT for Anxiety Disorders, step-by-step training for therapists. So if you want to get actual training and how to do some of these techniques, work with all of the anxiety disorders, you might enjoy that. It's May 19th. 2019, and if you go to my website, feelinggood.com, go to the workshop tab, and then you can click the link to read about that workshop. You can come in person or join online. Probably the in-person is, oops, I'm rattling the paper, probably the in-person is sold out by now because it's, uh, uh, by the time this podcast comes out, but you can still join online and there will be experts helping all the online people with the small group exercises. You know, I've taken classes online. They're they're just as powerful as in-person. Yeah, yeah, they put a lot of effort into it, the, the uh, Feeling Good Institute that sponsors those. And then in uh, I have in July two summer intensives. Uh, in Calgary, Canada, my four-day intensive will be July 15th through 18th, 2019. And again, you can find the link on my website, feelinggood.com. Go to the workshop tab. And then the second intensive will be July 29th to August one. 2019. That's the South San Francisco four-day intensive, and there there'll be a lot. You'll probably be there. I will be there. Uh, there will be people from my Tuesday training group at Stanford, and from the Feeling Good Institute. Tons of people helping with the small group exercises. I, yeah, because it's in the Bay Area, you have so many trained therapists, yeah. team therapists, that they come and and support the students, and it's just an incredibly powerful and an awesome experience. Yeah, we have we have a lot of fun. And you get mentoring, individual feedback on your therapeutic techniques. So you'll practice a lot. You'll do a solo flight. We're going to do a live demonstration. You'll get a chance to work on your own feelings of insecurity and self-doubt. And I do offer a guarantee. Uh, and talk about meditation and enlightenment. <laughs> I guarantee that two-thirds of the people who come to the intensive will experience enlightenment. At, by the end of the program. And that's the same full-blown Buddhist thing, but you won't have to meditate. Now, you can still meditate. But, I will <laughs> but you won't you, have to meditate. But I will get enlightenment. You to, to real enlightenment. And, nice. and that means uh, freedom and liberation from your fears, your depression, your insecurity, and feelings of uh, fantastic joy and connectedness and laughter in connection to, to others. So thank you so much, uh, Dr. Rhonda. Thank you, Dr. Burns. It's a pleasure to be here. (laughs) This has been another episode of the Feeling Good Podcast. For more information, visit Dr. Burns' website at feelinggood.com, where you will find the show notes for this episode under the podcast page. You will also find archives of previous episodes and many resources for therapists and non-therapists. We welcome your comments and questions. If you want to support the show, please share the podcast with people who might benefit from it. You could also go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. The theme music is Gypsy Jazz in Paris, 1935, composed and performed by Brett Van Donzel. I am your host, Rhonda Borowski. We hope you enjoyed this episode. I invite you to join us next time for another episode of the Feeling Good Podcast.